Movie Tell Truth Podcast. My name is Max Turman. so good. I am your moderator. Scott's whispering into the microphone. Bill and Dan are looking at you like you're crazy. I, I am your moderator. And with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Mars. Hello. Hello. Our very own president. Whisperer into your ear of sweet nothing, Scott yeah. Reed. Yeah. And associate pastor. In a fine polo, Bill Calvin. Yeah. I like this shirt. I like it too. A very summery. Yeah. Does that have a story behind it? Uh, it's been, it. I probably had it a couple of years. So I don't remember the story. Perfect. <laughs> Fit for Bermuda. Yeah. Mm, colors I, I agree. The fact that it's a polo. Yeah. Dan, will you pray for us? Sure. Father, we love you. We thank you that we're able to gather together today in your name, and we just ask that you would be with us, that you would guide our conversation, Lord. Help us to encourage each other and those who are listening, Lord, and may nothing come out of our mouths except for the things that are true and right and noble and praiseworthy, Lord. Hmm. We love you. We commit this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So in the spirit of nothing coming out of our mouths that's not praiseworthy, we're going to skip what you have. <laughs> it's noble. It is noble. Scott, <laughs> take it away. I'm really sad I found a new card. Oh. Well, I don't know if we've ever called it this on the podcast, but we've called it plenty of times off the podcast. Yeah. Bloomingdale Church Podcast Toastmasters is back. Here we go. After a hiatus of, I don't know, like oh, a month. Like a month, yeah. About a month, yeah. So I'm going to do a little, just a tiny bit differently today. Ooh. Um, the general premise is the same, but okay. because there's three judges and four options, I'm going to let each judge choose their own question via random numbers. Um, so, Dan, you'll get to be our first judge. Okay. Um, pick a number between one and four. Three. Three. All right. Max and Bill. In both cases, your leg is completely encased. Max, <laughs> you're arguing for having to free it from a hardened block of solid glass. And Bill, you're <laughs> arguing for having to free it from a block of rubber. So why would you rather why should Dan choose freeing his leg from mm. a block of glass right. versus a block of rubber? Mm. Dan, you can decide who go first. Okay, we'll start with Bill. Well, I'm proud to represent the solid <laughs> rubber because I grew up in Akron, Ohio, the rubber capital of the world. Ooh. The beauty of rubber is it's flexible. Mm. And I think you can squirt out of this thing with a little <laughs> bit of rubber. So that means it's something that you could use as a temporary device. Mm. Stabilizing your knee, stabilizing your ankle, or just keeping warm. It's a great product. Twenty nine ninety five at Mako. <laughs> well said. Uh, I think one of the most beautiful things about glass is is its versatility. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but glass is actually a, a very protective. Uh, when we think of glass, we often think of like shattering and cutting and things like that. But not all glass is like that. Many glasses are quite protective. Uh, and so uh, one of the nice mm. things about having a glass molding uh, is when you... you Chisel your way out of that that block that's around your leg. Your your leg is going to be in pristine condition. I mean, it's basically vacuum packed in this glass. You can see it all the time. So you decide when you're ready to take your leg out of that glass, and you want to check on it anytime. Boom! You just look at it. It's looking pretty good. My leg's still okay. If it's in the rubber, all respect to Akron, Ohio. You have no idea what's going on in there. You got no idea what your leg looks like. But it, with the glass, you just take take a quick peek. It's looking okay. Mm. Go back to your daily life. I think with rubber, there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of panic. I don't know what my what's happening to my leg right now. But with glass, it's all above board. Mm. Everybody knows what's going on, and that's that's what we're all about here. Uh, God abides in the truth. <laughs> I don't want any obstruction, any obfuscation. I this wanna... has turned into a very difficult decision. <laughs> Well, remember that whatever you decide, you have to free it from that substance. It's right. not about having your leg in there. It's about getting uh, it out. <laughs> Which Bill did use the word squirt. So, <laughs> so I mean, you got to give him at least one point. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> I feel like you both made you both very equal for me. It's very difficult to choose Aww. because they're very two very well constructed arguments. I give you a 10 out of 10 both. Thank you. But I will go, have to go with the rubber just because I think it'll be easier for me to get out and not hurt myself. 
because I think if I try to break glass, like I'll probably end up cutting myself. Mm. Mm. No hard feelings. Sure. Nice. But a very excellent job. Thank you. I haven't won for like 13 years. So that's because <laughs> <laughs> you keep winning. Where in the world is Carmen Sandy? Yep. Justice. It can't um, be one or the other. Can't be both. Yeah, sorry, you're going to lose that today. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, Max, you're the judge. Pick a number between one and three. Uh, I almost said four. <laughs> Let's go with one. one. Good old one. Good old one. Who picks All right, one? Dan, you're arguing for falling from 30 feet into a briar patch. And Bill, you are, <laughs> you're offering, you're arguing for climbing up a thirty foot wall covered with thorny stems, falling thirty feet into a briar patch, climbing a thirty foot wall covered in thorny stems. Max, you can decide who goes first. I think we got to go with our briar patch first. Well, imagine falling thirty feet under nothing. That would be very painful. Okay. So if you had to say 30 feet from nothing, 30 feet to a briar patch, I mean, it's not ideal. Let's be honest with mm-hmm. ourselves. Yes. It would be painful, but it's better than just landing on pavement. At least the briar patch. <laughs> you have me there. At least the briar patch is going to help cushion your fall. Yes, you might have to be removing some spines yep. from your body, maybe for a significant amount of time, <laughs> but it's better than the alternative of going splat. Mm. 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 Bill. The nice thing about climbing this wall with those thorns and thistles, you're in control. You get to pick the path you want to take, and you turn those thorns and thistles into your aids. They're helping you to get up the wall. Help you stick to the wall. <laughs> Spider-Man. That's exactly right. <laughs> They're helping you to get up that wall. So it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Your hands might be bleeding, but it's a wonderful your hands, Well, we've got to be honest. Your hands probably will be bleeding, yeah. and your feet, too. Well, of course, you have shoes on, so your feet will be protected. Right. But that's better than having a broken back or some awful injury that lasts the rest of your life. Mm. You're to identify with Christ. you got bleeding hands. <laughs> Dan, whose side are you on? Well, you can have the stigmata, yes. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, come off go. of that wall, and people think, my gosh. <laughs> You became more like Jesus when you climbed. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I gotta go with Bill. Uh, right. if, if for no other reason, I think the thing that 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 won me over is the realization that once I fall into the briar patch, I still gotta climb out of it. Mm. And so, true. One way or another, I'm gonna have to be touching. So I might as well just do it all in one in one go. True. Yeah. Fair. Well, well very well done, though, Dan. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Bill is the winner. Yeah. Uh, so this is for second place. Bill, pick a number between one and two. <laughs> Excluding one and two. <laughs> two. Two. All right. Dan, you are arguing for living in a house made from Legos. Hmm. Max, you are arguing for living in a house made from mud and palm fronds. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, your decision is would you rather live in a house made from Legos or live in a house made from mud and palm fronds? And mm. you can decide who's going to go first. All right. Well, take it away, Dan. Well, Bill, I know you've got three grandchildren, and I know that they, I'm sure, love Legos. They like to play with them. They like to... And so what better way to say, come over to Grandpa's house, to this house made of Legos. You can have a part in taking it apart. You don't like this room? Let's redesign it. Let's have fun together. Grandfather, grandparent, grandkid time built in. And then if you're getting tired, they've worn you out. You say, go in the other room and redesign it for me. I'm going to take a nap. I got to go for a run. Now, Bill, what is your policy about wearing shoes in the house? Generally, we don't wear shoes in the house. See, I'm the same way, and I, I really enjoy living that way. The problem with living in a Lego house oh, is well, blah, 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 blah. you are always stepping on Legos. It's bad enough to step on one Lego once, but you are you at argue all your own point. times stepping on Legos, and I'm glad you bring that up because I'm about to. <laughs> you are a very young-looking man. And one of the ways that you uh, uh, facilitate that, I know, is an incredible skincare regimen. But I'm here to tell you, you could save 30, maybe 90 minutes a day because you don't have to buy these creams. You don't have to put them on your house. Your very house is made of mud, of, of rejuvenating mud to keep you young, to keep your running times low, your endorphins high. You got palm fronds. You don't need to worry about AC. 
You know, in the summer, hippos cover themselves in mud to cool down. In the winter, you burn the palm fronds. It heats you right up. And that, yeah, I, the shirt's going to smell horrible. I think it's, excuse me, <laughs> your minute. I think, I, think, I think that speaks for itself. All right. I'd rather live in the house with Lego. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad. <laughs> you had a tough, tough... He did, he did good. Yeah, he it was very, very well. entertaining. <laughs> Woo. All right. Are you going to take part in this? Yeah. You want me to do no. the last one? No? Okay. Scott, would you rather fall 30 feet into a briar patch or live in a house made of mud and palm fronds? Um... How big is a briar patch? It's 90, 95. Okay. Well, you know, in, in uh, Song of the South, Br'er <laughs> Rabbit says, whatever you do, don't throw me in the briar patch. And they do, and it's actually his house. So maybe my, my <laughs> house, house is inside is the briar patch. <laughs> made of mud and It palm works palm out really well for him. He doesn't actually get hurt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'll just jump into the briar patch. Well played. Thank you. Well played. Uh, Bill predicted that this week he would finally complete the two-part series of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, and he did. Congratulations, Bill. And he came up with a bang-up idea for NFL team owners. (laughs) It's been a big week. It's been a big week for Bill. What happened? (laughs) All right. This is for the fans. Okay. If you're pulling for a team like Cleveland, the owners always say, oh, we don't have any money. We can't, we can't upgrade this team. Yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates, they stunk for like 30 years in a row now. So we need an incentive for the owners, and this is the incentive. If your team doesn't make it past the first round of the playoffs in a period of five years in mm-hmm. the NFL, then you as the owner have to stand on a 50-yard line. All of the fans can be at the goal line blow the whistle, and you start running for your life. If they catch you, <laughs> they get to beat on you for five minutes. <laughs> so there's an incentive because you're probably going to get beaten to death. <laughs> they're all drunk and they're crazy mad about it. So that means probably you're going to sell the team off, which is great. Now somebody Ooh. with money Ooh. is going to take the team over, <clears throat> and they are incentivized to make it a playoff contending team. Otherwise sure. they get beat to death. <laughs> right. Right. So you have to this. end of your life. <laughs> see, places like Cleveland have hope. You know, the longest this can last is five years, and, well, I don't mind killing the guy. So it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's got a lot of merit. Major League Baseball, too, the Yankees I and think the Cameron. ratings would be just crazy through the roof. <laughs> We're going to show the owner of the Cleveland Browns running for his life. <laughs> Sports Hunger Games edition. Ooh. Yes, that's basically what it is, isn't it? Ooh. What... Um, Inspired this take on on the NFL. I, I've had this idea incentive. for a couple of years. I just oh haven't really gotten any forward motion with it. Yet. <laughs> well, sure. I can't understand why. <laughs> All those rich people keep putting it down. <laughs> I need to meet more guys. Keep, Joe keep Beer. writing letters to, to the owners him. of the teams, but they just won't go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that NFL commissioner is paid by the owners, so I can't get through to him. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. It's not the, quite the same concept, but in soccer – especially in different countries, not in America because this would never fly. There's something called relegation and promotion where if you do really bad, right. like the bottom three teams, you get relegated to the lower division. Yes. And the top three teams in the lower division get promoted to the top division. That's it's crazy. It's an excellent idea. I so wish like, they'd do but that. But we don't have that in America because people, they don't want... They don't want people, the, the owners don't want to lose all that money here. So no. they, sure. They we'll have a division with fewer million. teams. Huh? Well... Unless the Browns are playing college ball at that point. Oh, my God. <laughs> the best team in Ohio is Ohio State. I mean, the Browns couldn't even touch Ohio State, I don't See? think. Now, now they could now. The, the Browns actually have put together a good team over the yeah. last couple of years. You must have talked to them. I don't know what happened. But, well, I do know what program. happened. They, they got a whole different management, and it starts with the general manager. They brought in a real sharp young man from the Cleveland Indians, and he has just laid down the law, and they they turned it around really fast once they got him. Wow. Yeah. So you finished the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> How did it end? 
<laughs> what happened to the Roman Empire? Declined they and it fell. <laughs> well, they rise again. <laughs> really, the last few hundred pages are spent just showing you how messed up the Roman Empire hmm. became. And a lot of it at the end is the Crusades. Oh, okay. So you're reading about the Muslims. You're reading about the Turks. The Turks are kind of in between the African Muslims and the Christians. So you've got this more than a three-way tug of war because you also have the kings of different countries like Germany and France. They want to take over the power. And then you throw the Pope in, and there's a big problem in the Vatican. So there is a time in, I think, the 1400s when there are two popes. Okay. And then there are three popes for a real short time. Yeah, that's right. It, it's it's just completely disorganized, and you can see that nobody wants to wage a war anymore. Everybody's just tired of war. It, it's a real fade. We'll huh. just put it that way. Everything just kind of fades. Hmm. What would you say is the biggest takeaway from reading the whole, you know, history of the of the Roman Empire? The reading both volumes. Over the last, what, six months or a year? Well, from January 1st to May 30th. Yeah. What has What is like the biggest thing that stuck with you? That really, apart from God, there is nothing that works when it comes to government. Huh. Even though Rome was very well organized, they were overcome by their own luxury. Hmm. They really lived kind of like the king or queen of England. They're, they're just the biggest welfare recipients. And it wasn't just the emperor. It was the entire city of Rome, hmm. all kinds of mansions. I think I read something like 800 mansions in the city of Rome. And Rome had maybe 400,000 people and maybe even 20 or more would live in, in one mansion. So it was just decadent. The most decadent place of all, though, was Persia. Hmm. Artaxerxes, big name with Persia. So what would happen is an empire gets overthrown. It's the Romans for a while, but the Huns come in, the Turks come in, the Persians, the, the Goths, the Visigoths, no matter who it is, they seem to succumb to luxury. And then it's the next set of people that come in. It looks like Everybody in the world, with the exception of Japan and the United States, gets mentioned. Well, mm -hmm. the United States, I wasn't even born yet. Right. But every, every ethnic group imaginable is mentioned, and they get to be kingpins for a while. Huh. But nobody can hold on to it because luxury takes over, and they, somebody who's lean, mean, and hungry comes in, wins the war. They love the luxury. Sure. And you've amassed all this great wealth, and they like living the way you live, so they move into your palace. Mm. They leave. You know, there's always a few people left behind, you know, beautiful women, for one. Sure. Beautiful men or boys. So you, you just have this built-in seed of decadence starts to sprout up, and it's it's really the story of the Bible, too, that... Sin is ever with us. We have to be vigilant against sin, and if we're mm. not, it will destroy us. So what? why does decadence always kill us? Well, for one thing, part of decadence is drinking and drugging. Sure. So you make the worst decisions imaginable when you're buzzed. Yeah, it's kind of like synonymous with excess, right? Mm. Yeah. So you don't, that's not practicing something in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Over and above what's healthy and good and mm. right mm. to where it becomes a detriment to you and the people around you. Mm. So it's kind of like part and parcel with why decadence kind of over time leads to sin. Sure. Because it just promotes that idea of like, well, it's okay to take as many drinks as I want or do as much as I want and as much sex as I want or with who I want. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to deny myself anything. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's really the emperor's mm -hmm. modus operandi. Right. Once in a while, there's a disciplined emperor, and oftentimes he's just hated by huh. the inner circle because mm. we want to cut loose, and you're 
eating good food, vegetables. not eating, yeah, you're eating vegetables and you're not eating meat, you're not drinking wine, you're living in a tent when they're on battlefield, yeah. um, you're, you're really facing hardships. Which you Come think like on. with the common people, they'd be like, yeah, that's great. But with mm-hmm. the inner circle, it's like, no, because the common people would probably be like, that's just like me. Mm-hmm. Like, common people probably didn't even know. Probably, <laughs> good point. There wasn't like news like, hey, <laughs> brought to you from. Yeah, it probably made very little difference to them. <laughs> well, it made a difference to the soldiers. Right, sure, yeah, sure. When the soldiers see their emperor leading the charge and he's being disciplined, that's a big deal. But in, but even then you think oh this guy's gonna last nope somebody stabs him right I mean so our culture today is is as many human cultures are apparently you know and I've heard comparisons between the United States and the Roman Empire plenty of times um, but you know our culture is built around the pursuit of of decadence and I think there's sort of an undercurrent of trying to be you know uh, efficient with your resources and not you know mm-hmm. trying to to avoid gluttony, even from like a secular sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes to money, when it comes to sex, when it comes to influence, you know, and you preached a little bit on this as well, Dan, and we'll get to that later today, like the pursuit of those things is like why many people are alive in their minds. Um, the ability to acquire such things is mm-hmm. like, the point of being alive and that will eventually kill you. And um, it might be something that you consider small too. Like, mm. you know, I'm just going to treat myself and buy myself this thing cause I deserve it. And then it become, can easily become like a God in your life. Yeah. Even if something as small as like every time I do this one thing, I'm going to get myself a coffee drink or mm. like, and of course that sounds like ridiculous. Like, Oh, why is a coffee drink bad? But if it, something like that becomes an idol in your life and it yeah. takes a place. I knew someone that, Sudoku puzzles became like something that hmm. was like they had to put aside and be like, I can't do this anymore because it's taken like huh. number one. I don't even want to read my Bible. Sure. Hmm. Well. So it doesn't have to be something huge like drinking or sex or money. Right. How can Jesus set us free from that influence, from the influence of our culture, from the influence of like the pursuit of decadence? Well, if we're pursuing him, then... Because that becomes our number one concern in life. I want to experience Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to commune with Jesus. Then those other things have a way of taking second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth place. And, mm. and they, they do fall off. That's, that's what a true conversion is. Mm. Somebody who's maybe just completely wrapped up in decadence, which was a testimony I listened to yesterday from the regeneration program yeah. that Ray Anderson's got a few of us in, there was a testimony. And the young man thought he had the world by the tail. He was making great money. He had a college education. He was burning through women, burning through money, and drinking a great deal. And his family wanted him to slow down, but he would turn the tables and say, look how great I'm doing. And it was basically, I'm doing better than you are. I'm right. making more money. I've got a nicer place. I've got a better car. What have you got? So people just kind of have a way of clamming up. It's like, well, yeah, you do. But that isn't the goal of life either. You know, mm. um, When we get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to meet us there with, well, what kind of car did you drive? Mm. Oh, that, you know, a 97 Versa? Huh. <laughs> you know, that, that just isn't going to cut it. But but what happened in this young man's life was he woke up outside one day, I think at the curb, and realized, I am going to die. Mm-hmm. And he went to AA, and then he, he got to about the fourth step, I think, and he came to Christ for his salvation, and then he couldn't get enough of the Word of God, mm-hmm. so he's filling his mind with the Scriptures in a big way, his life just completely changed. And all these addictions that he had, addictions to women, and one of them was fear of people. Mm. I thought, what does that mean? And it's just another way of saying people-pleasing. Mm. He, mm. he was able to throw that off. So 
That's why you just got to love what Jesus Christ has done. He has set us free. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, you know, it's so easy for us to justify stuff to and be like, well, I deserve this or I need this. So being willing to really take our motivations and our justifications before God so like this is who I, this is how I'm living. Is this pleasing to you or not? And sometimes we don't see it. We don't see that we're justifying a behavior or an action. And mm-hmm. It just seems right and good and natural and normal to us. Yeah. But God might be like, mm, you know, yeah. it's not. It's not helpful. Mm. Not helpful for you. It's not helpful for the people around you. You need to stop. Mm. But being willing to bring that all out there and not hiding things from God because well we can't hide from anything from him anyway there's a great little booklet I read maybe you've heard of it Bill My Heart Christ Home oh by yeah by Robert Mung- Boyd Munger was yes it? that is a good it talks about like the 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 rooms of your heart is essentially of like mm. this is the the game room this is the the kitchen and it's just kind of very much allegorical but kind of Jesus working through these rooms and relating the purpose of the room to spiritual things and like yeah. The guy at one point was like, no, no, Jesus, you don't want to come in this room. Like, mm. let's go to the next one. Like, yeah. no, we're going to go through it. And just that good process of sanctification is really, yeah. I recommend that That's little book. beautiful. It's really cool. What's it, it called? It is a very good book. My Heart, Christ's Home. Wow. Monger. I'm not sure what it, what the first name is. Is it? it, it it's a classic. Yeah. And this book's been oh, around. Oh, it's a, been around forever. 50 to 100 years. And, and decadence has been around from the get-go. I mean, even the uh-huh. pilgrims had a measure of decadence. Oh, sure. But I mean, the Israelites, right? The, yes, yes. The Egyptians before them. So we shouldn't be shocked by it, like, mm-hmm. oh, the decadent. What are we going to do? Jesus isn't thrown off by that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago of sort of this um, part of the fall was that desire to to cultivate power and control for humans, right? To say, oh, I want to be more like God. Mm. Um, and to, uh, just build ourselves up. Like I think it's innate, right? Especially if we truly believe that we can or need to be in control of our lives, then like that opens the door to all kinds of small decisions that add up to bigger decisions that add up to pursuing all kinds of gods, Mm. um, completely. I don't think God is calling every one of us to go dress in sackcloth and ashes and don't have not have a home or a nice mm-hmm. vehicle or you know food on the table. But just kept coming back to as we're talking about this being in the world but of the world. Like mm. there is a measure of we need to have things in our lives that are helpful to us. Yeah, but making sure we're being good stewards of what we've been given and recognizing that it comes from God. Mm. Can't take anything with us. So how are we gonna? shepherd or steward the resources that God gives us in the way that he wants, not necessarily the way we want. Amen. I'm thinking about Don Jones Mm. at his funeral. Something was said to the effect of, well, Don, you really gave a lot of money away. Do you know how much you've given? And his answer was something to this effect. If I was keeping track, that would just really pervert the whole process. Mm. (laughs) He's right. Yeah, you, you do really want... To live like Don lived, the left hand was, didn't really know what the right hand was doing when it came to generosity. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Hungry. <laughs> time for that podcast hamburger it's time field trip. for the podcast hamburger, hamburger uh, special. Review. What? Yes, there's a podcast review. Podcast hamburger review. Ooh. We're going to go to lots of different hamburgers. That would be great. Well, the, we'll, each, we'll, we'll split it into fourths. Yes. Didn't Pack used to do that? They used to do the, they the fast food frenzy. The fast food frenzy. Yes. The fast food crawl. I would totally do that. We should do that during day camp week. We've been trying to figure out what to do during day camp week. We do a fast food crawl review. <laughs> What does Jesus think of this burger? Uh, <laughs> Bill. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about this. Uh, Bill, uh, can Jesus bless this food to my body? Um, Bill, give me a number between one and a thousand and one. 999. <laughs> Scott, looks at, Scott looks at the clock like I... Short I, episode. I literally start. I say, it's a short episode. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, we have not done this one. This, of course, comes to us. A thousand and one things you always wanted to know about the Bible but never thought to ask by doctor and... 
I make up titles for him all the time. Jay Mickey Lang. Jay Mickey Lang, author of the complete book of Adrian <laughs> trivia with over 600 million <laughs> copies sold. Uh, this comes to us 999 from Odds and Ends, all right. comma, mostly fascinating. <laughs> In the measurements section, the shekel mm. is the unit of currency in Israel today. Is that true? Today? I think that's the name of their currency, yeah. When was this published? Uh, it was also, I'll just start over. The shekel is the unit of currency in Israel today. It was, it was so in the old Testament as well, but more a unit of weight than of currency. Mm. The Hebrew word shekel means weight. Pieces of gold, silver, bronze, and even iron were weighed to determine their value. When Genesis 2016 mentions a thousand shekels of silver, we can probably calculate this at about 25 pounds of silver. Mm. During most of the Old Testament period, money was not in the form of coins, but only lumps of metal, which had to be weighed and determine uh, their value. Later on, oh. shekel coins came into use. In the New Testament period, 3,000 shekels equaled one talent of silver mm. and a mina whatever, yeah, mm -hmm. mina, yeah. equaled 100 shekels. Talents and minas are both mentioned in the Gospels. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you, Dr. Lang. Um, why in translations of the Bible are those still there, right? Uh, there are some, some versions of the Bible that, like, mm -hmm. you know, they do a conversion for you. But at least in the ESV and in the NIV, which I think are sort of in, at least in, in my brain, which is probably just biased because it's what I grew up on, I tend to think of those as like the really, um, I guess, direct translations or a little less interpretation than, for example, the New Living Translation, which I'm also a big fan of. Um, they leave in these sort of old ways of measuring things, right? Like you say cubits or or mm. whatever. Um, like w what, what do we gain from that? Why, do you have any ideas as to why they would leave those in? A lot of it's because there's controversy as to what really was the weight value of mm. different things. What, what was the capacity of an ephah? Hmm. What was a hin <laughs> yeah. or a bath? Or a homer. I mean, so yeah, a cubit, it sounds like a cubit but it could be 18 inches, it could be 22 inches. It really depended on the person, right? Because it's the distance between the end of your hand and your elbow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So everyone's like, well, one cubit is different from me than from Max. <laughs> <laughs> I got stubby arms. <laughs> I got stubby cubits. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible does a good job, too. I was just perusing, and they always seem to do This is about, about 21 inches or 53 centimeters. Hmm. Like, they put it in the margins, so you, so you, know. you need to know. Sure. Uh, like, the, vaguely how much it could be. Yeah. When it comes to making sort of interpretation changes for the sake of readability, right? Like if somebody is completely unfamiliar with the Bible and is reading through it and gets to shekels or gets to cubits or gets to, I don't even know what some of the things you were saying, Bill, like a bath of, was a bath of oil. Oh yeah. A bath. <laughs> you gotta love that one. Like <laughs> that can seem archaic. And, and I've talked before about how I, it really bugs me that the, the King James version is sort of like the de facto, like when the rest of the world wants to reference the Bible and it makes the Bible sound super old and Elizabethan. Mm. Um, like, does I don't know. What's your response to me saying like, it kind of worries me to have those things in there. Cause I don't want the Bible to seem archaic. Right. I don't mm. want the Bible to be like, ah, these old nonsensical measurements that they're using. This thing doesn't apply to me. Mm. Um, which might be me like overreaching a little bit with my concern, especially when you consider that the word of God does not return void. Um, I don't know. Do you guys ever like deal with that or are you just so, I know there's so a bunch of churches it. out there that are like, we're King James only. Right. Which is like, whoa, okay. King James is considered an outstanding translation. Okay. It's it's hard to top it for for its being true to the Hebrew and Greek scriptures. Okay. However, language is dynamic. And I remember when I was in seminary, Professor Kaiser pointed out, you know, even back in like the 1880s when the scholar wrote about the King James Version, there were already over a thousand words that were out of usage. Mm. And they were in the King James Version. So now, you know, push forward another 140 years, it's going to be way more than a thousand. Mm. 
So that that's the struggle with the King James Version. I I really struggle when I have to read a passage in the King James, unless it's a book of Psalms. Psalms is... Sure. The Psalms are so awesome in the King James, it's almost like, why even bother trying yeah. to update this? This is phenomenal. I really like the New King James. I read that through a few times. And I appreciated it because it was... Were the, the verses I had learned when I was a kid in King James, hmm. but then updated mm-hmm. enough yeah. to, to appear more modern. Yeah. But there was a church in Mexico that went through this, where Mexico was all pretty much the Spanish version of King James. Was It's like the only the version only people use in the church that the pastors preach on. Like, you don't, people are like, NIV is not accurate. Like, there's a lot of opinions that are very strong. Okay. Um, but it, there was a church, a church plant that started that I was involved in for a bit that was like, you know, we got new people coming in off the street. We don't want them to read this to be like their first exposure. To sure. be like they're not going to understand what it's even saying. Right. So they used the equivalent of the New Living Translation. That seemed to work well for them. Sure. To make it a little, at least a little more understandable to people mm-hmm. who you know don't have a doctorate in theology. Yeah. I I thought that was smart, especially the kind of people they were trying to reach out to. Mm. It would have been like, what does this word even mean? And half the people you talk to are like, I don't know what this stuff means. Right. <laughs> Who are Christians. Sure. And so for years. Scott, what was your take on the New Living Translation? Because you read it for for your, you had to read two mm-hmm. different versions back to back for ordination. Um, Yeah, I liked it. One thing that was like really bizarre to me, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like it did convert the measurements into... Mm more modern day measurements. And the reason that I think that is because I know that they did their best to pinpoint dates in our calendar. Right. Which oh, was, really? I didn't love that. Right. I found it kind of weird. Because they say things like on April, like On like 16th. April 30th, yeah. Jesus went to the store and like, <laughs> April. <laughs> the store. Um, it's just really... It Target. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, it was weird to me. Um, yeah. Because I feel like that's one of those things, like, I don't know, when I run into like, the th- you know, the 10th day of the fourth month or however it's normally said like sure. that i like okay uh, right. i don't i don't not understand what this means right uh um, then they convert that calendar yeah i mean it was like it was kind of cool i i would i don't it i wouldn't want someone to only read that mm. and be like oh my gosh this happened on this day like that's my birthday like, <laughs> this is so significant to me and i was like that uh, maybe not yeah i don't know um like it was kind of cool like this might have been the day but also like I don't know. With scripture, it's like, this is something that I was um, running into with the Passion Translation, which um, I actually, this is a a good PSA. Uh, Readers, if you read the Passion Translation, please don't. Mm. It is Mm. far from accurate. Uh, And at first, when I like first encountered it, um, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like, you know, they're kind of putting it forward in, in a certain way, like, that's great. And the more that I dug into it and the more that I researched it, I realized, like, oh, no, they're adding and changing the scriptures. Hmm. And that's not acceptable. It's one thing so to... So says the Bible. <laughs> so says the Bible. So it builds itself as a translation, not like the message oh, that yes. says we're a paraphrase. Yes. Uh, by, I believe the... I forget his name, but um, the guy who the singer, translated it... Yeah the one guy who translated it. Um, It's like, it's of the same kind of caliber in terms of being able to study it as like, you know, the ESV or whatever. Like that's how he puts it for like, you can study this text and Mm. come away with like, you know, and so that that's when you read a, a, a translation that, that puts these things forward, like this is supposed to be the infallible word of God. Mm. Like we can't be just, playing around with it. Yeah. Even if it does make it make more sense, like maybe that part wasn't supposed to make more sense. Yeah. And I think something that you, that you bring up quite a bit on the show that I think is really valuable is this idea that the Bible is not ultimately about us, right? We don't read ourselves in and be like, ah, this is what it's saying to me about me. Most of the time, it's really about who God is, right? And who God is informs us about who we are. Um, and so I think one of the risks, and, and you kind of mentioned this, one of the risks of the Bible being hyper approachable and in like very common language is that all of a sudden seen as the rest of the, 
the ways we hear that language in modern day is telling us about us, whether it's from other people mm. or about from marketing or whatever, that can make it really easy to start to apply the Bible directly to us and be like, ah, this is the story about me. Um, and, and that, you know, when you said like the, like, that's my birthday, like that really applies to me. Like I relate to that, that desire to be like, ah, oh, like this is, has a new, really cool meaning that is exclusively for me about me. Um, and getting into that mindset of reading yourself into the Bible is really dangerous. Um, and I think, uh, that's one of like the, I think, I think that's why sort of the, the distinction of like, do you study this or do you read this is like an interesting mm -hmm. one. And that's one that Stuart, uh, Stuart G was really into talking to me about when it came to the NLT of like, he's like, it's not really like a study translation. Um, but it is like a really great translation for trying to understand a little bit of like the surface level of what more obtuse sections of scripture mean, like Ecclesiastes and things like that. Um, so I thought that was really, mm. do you know what the difference is between a translation and a version? No, you never hear anybody talk about this, but a translation can be one man. Hmm. I'm, I think really new living translation, they legitimately are new living version. Okay. Because yeah. a version is a committee working on it. Hmm. So you have, if you look at the front page of something like the New International Version, you see lots of names, people who are experts. I, I remember I met the lady who was the English editor, we'll say, of the New International Version. Hmm. She had a doctorate in it, and um, her job, I think, was to make the, the translation really work in terms of the English reader. So it sounds like she had a lot to do with punctuation. And she says, yes, there's a lot of dashes. We call it the dashing version, you know. <laughs> I said, I noticed a lot of exclamation points in the New International Version. But she was just one of, say, 50, 100 people working together on what is the translation of this verse, mm -hmm. this chapter, this book, this Bible. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it usually does take a, an enormous... Uh, group of great scholars to pull it off because it's it's a lot of work. Hmm. Yeah, my Bible has a preface that's like three pages long and signed by the Committee on Bible Translation. Okay. The NIV, <laughs> yeah. September 2010. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, we don't have time for Topic of the Week. <laughs> uh, but Topic of the Week would have been brought to you by Day Camp. Bloomingdale Church welcomes all kids going into first through sixth grade to our annual day camp on June 15th through 18th, 2021. Day Camp is a four-day in-person and mostly outdoor experience for kids who have had an unpredictable year and need a safe place to connect with other kids and make new friends. With this year's Day Camp theme, Press Play, Kids will enjoy live music, fishing, story times, games, and take-home crafts while learning how to build their confidence, knowing that they belong and that they can make a difference. Day Camp, June 15th through 18th, in person at Bloomingdale Church. To register or volunteer, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash daycamp. Um, we won't have time for Topic of the Week, but I do want to get really quickly into Sermon Roundup. Yeehaw! Just want to say, Dan Marcello gave a killer sermon last weekend um, yes. about how to have uh, just really great uh, influence, how to be a person of influence, and one of those areas that he highlighted was sort of the influence that parents have on their children, um, especially when it comes to priorities, when it comes to to discipline. Um and so really quickly, just I want to get, you know, feedback from you two and then obviously from, from Dan as well. Um, but when it comes to the way that God sets our priorities and the way God disciplines us, hmm. how have you guys heard God's voice when you are, when you're being disciplined, right? So Hebrews 12, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. 
Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us in respect, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? I'll make a side note that obviously not all of us have had fathers that disciplined us. Um, There are many people who grew up without fathers or without mothers or without parents altogether. Um, But when it comes to God, God's discipline in your lives, how have you recognized it? And I don't want to get too deep into this because I would like to talk about it next week. Um, But just really quickly, you know, how has it shown up in you? How can, if I'm going through God's discipline right now and I don't recognize it, how can I recognize it? One thing that I've noticed is, especially in areas where maybe I messed up, I feel like God a lot of times will present another opportunity. Hmm. And so, or maybe it's an area where I messed up. Maybe it's a lesson that he wanted me to learn that he's like, you didn't fully quite get that yet. Hmm. And so it's like something that will come around and it's like another chance to exercise whatever it is that God is looking to do in me, whether that's patience or perseverance or courage, bravery to speak to say something I needed to say that previously in my life I would have been too scared to say. And I'm not, I know maybe that's not addressing the issue of like discipline, like you're under God's thumb or something like that. But I think God is gracious and patient. And uh, I've, I've noticed that like just something cyclical will come around and be like, oh, that's another, if I'm really kind of on my game, like, yeah, that's something I didn't quite, not maybe not master or just maybe not recognize before or really, learn before the way that God wanted so mm. to lean into it. And, yeah. I think it's experienced through my wife. Mm. She'll call me on something or David mm. will call me on something. So then I've got to think about that. Is this, are they right? Nancy's usually right. Mm. Um, so well, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's, I think that's probably the best way yeah. to get my attention mm-hmm. because I, I'm really not one of those self-reflective people that, well, I, I wonder if I hurt their feelings. I wonder about this. I wonder about that. I, I just don't think those thoughts a whole lot. Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with what Bill said. I think hearing from others is a really effective way that God chastens me from time to time. But there are also, there. I, I feel like, there are instances where, like, because sometimes in the heat of the moment or, you know, within a day or two, you'd be like, oh, shoot, I did something. I shouldn't have done that. And I'll, you know, go back and apologize or whatever. But sometimes something will come up from, like, a while ago. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I should not have done that or I should not have said that. Um, and I feel like God has really used those moments to, like, help me to to grow and, and to see to see my shortcomings and and to teach me a better way. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit yeah. will do that with me. I was yeah. just I'm not a self-reflective thing. person, but the Holy Spirit will speak to me pretty clearly. And it's like, uh-oh. I got to apologize. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking the same thing, the Holy Spirit speaking. Mm-hmm. Especially when we know like it doesn't come from us. It's like something that we usually don't do. Or, or like Bill was saying, though, not usually being self-reflective if it comes like from... Without us, not from within. Mm. It's like, whoa. Yeah. I got to pay attention to that. Mm. And how do you respond? Oh, I, I try to act on it right away when it's the Holy Spirit mm. because that, that's that's the aim. And one way to know, is it really the Holy Spirit or is it just being um, too hard on myself is, will it come up again? Mm-hmm. If it's conviction from him... He will bring it up. And then it's like, you know what? Just pick up the phone and and take care of this. Hmm. Well, cool. We'll get into that a little bit more. Sneak preview. Next week, a little preview of a sermon that you've already heard. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rathers, trivia quizzes, Mm -hmm. and... um, Burger reviews. Burger reviews. Burger reviews to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Yeah, send us what burgers you want us to review. I think that'd be great. Sam's Club. I think Sam's Club does burgers? Like like made burgers. Like no, not you got to make it yourself. But well, I cannot get over. They're half pounders or so. Bill, I have great juicy. news for you. Those yeah. are the ones we bought 
and they're in the freezer for, for this, this, weekend? this weekend. Oh, oh my I, word. I just, I, who would ever think, oh, yeah, it's one of my favorites, a Sam's Burger. I, I would never dream that. But hmm. but it is, I don't know what they're, they make them big, they make them juicy. Wow. <laughs> they're like this thick, at least frozen. They're probably going to cook down a bit, but... Wow. They're Ang- Angus beef. So come Saturday night. Yeah. You're listening to this. Yeah. Come Saturday plug, night. Plug Saturday night. What's happening Saturday After night? After the service, we have international worker couple, Eric and Chrissy, and they're coming to speak, and we're going to have a barbecue after with ham- hamburgers, hot dogs. Sweet. Well, cheeseburgers if you want them. Whoa. Oh, you know I do. And do do chips, chips and prepackaged chips and cookies. Nice. Nice. And water. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's going to be That does fun. sound awesome. Man. We got to go. And possibly uh, watermelon. Gonna go. And possibly Ooh. watermelon. You know, watermelon, amazingly, even though it's early in the year, it's it's good this year. Mm-hmm. Is it sometimes not? Oh, yeah. Uh, sometimes you have a really pretty much a bad season. Wow. They're coming out great. We got some great chefs who are pumped and excited to cook for you this Saturday. Nice. So join They've us at the service. They've been waiting a long time. <laughs> Make food for the church again. Yes. <laughs> um, well, shoot. That is all the time that we have this week for our closing segment this week. There's oh, no, there's no closing segment. It's over segment already. This week. I'm sorry, Bill. Better, better luck next. Are week. we taking a break from where in the Bible is Carmen? Sandiego? We're gonna take a little break from where, just so Bill can clear out his trophy cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, you, Max. Bill. Take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Are we really going to go have a burger review? Because that would be hilarious. I think I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> I'm down. For, for day camp buy week? Buy one, cut it in four. Yeah. We try it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Then we won't, you know, get a heart disease. <laughs> or spend the heart, heart of money. disease. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Dan can't have any cheese. And well, then we <laughs> I think we should set up right in a restaurant. They would love that. They go, what are you guys doing? <laughs> we're doing our podcast. We're eating and reviewing your cheeseburger. Oh, oh is it a food review podcast? No. no. Not even a little bit. It's a church You're getting a cross-pollinated <laughs> audience here. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Podcast nap break. Podcast nap break. Well, 30 minutes of snoring. This should be a, a short... <laughs> should be a short round. For well, sure that curse that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> there we go. Five after five. Hey, if, up, it, guys. if it ends up going long because we're having a good discussion, that that's great. And I'm like, um, let's do a sound check. Last week we did a sound check that didn't work, and then Dan's mic was like super quiet. So like really boost it. And literally the last thing I said before we started was like, well, that sound check didn't really work, but I'm sure it's fine. And then it wasn't fine. So. Hello, my name is Max. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's no. (laughs) Dan. Hello. Scott. Hello. Bill. Good afternoon. Hey, there it is. No spoilers. Hello, everyone. Wow. Hello, everyone. everyone. Hello. Hello. (laughs) You want to be very. Hello, everyone. Good evening. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and mirror you exactly what oh, you say, but I'm gonna be whispering. Okay, great. Hello, Hello everyone, and welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. My name is Max. Turner. I did so good. I am your moderator.